Often, for Christianity, there's a criticism that it's simply a bunch of rules, a list of right and wrong. It's just the do's and don'ts. And then if we're honest, it's the do's and don'ts that I can't keep, I can't uh, make them work, so why would I bother? Um, And if Christianity is a bunch of rules, then it's not compelling. And I'm of the firm belief that actually God is compelling and his rules, his laws, his ways are also compelling. But if we boil it down to rules, laws, commandments, have a listen to those words, rules, laws and commandments. There's a negativity around those words and I think uh, they don't make us jump in excitement. It's not compelling. I'm not excited by those words. I hesitate there because actually maybe for some, those words um, are positive because there's a personality type that is the rule keeper. And if that's you, fantastic. But I think for many of us, those words have a negativity around it. The word law or rules, it's a, it's a list of the rights and wrongs. And the rights and wrongs either put you into one of two camps, the good or the bad, and it ends in reward or punishment. And I think that message is reinforced right from the get-go, from childhood. Uh, Back in childhood, we learnt there's naughty and there's nice. It's don't do that, that's bad. Do this, that's good. You're a good boy, you're a naughty boy. And you decide which one you got more of. Good boy, naughty boy. We went to school and we learnt more about this thing about law and rules, about right and wrong. I learnt some valuable lessons in school. One of those was actually don't stab somebody in the backside with a piece of pencil. That's bad. I learnt uh, don't throw paper aeroplanes in the classroom. That's wrong. I learnt don't rock on your chair. And we learnt for the set of rules Uh, rules and right and wrong, to either go with it, to make it work, to comply with the rules so you can be in the good books, or you choose to actually ignore it all. I don't want to play that game and I'll suffer the consequences. The upshot of that is that often ends in resentment um, for the rules, but often the authority figure who enforces the rules. And then there was assessment. Assessment, behind assessment is this subtle message of uh, you made it or you didn't make it. You're in or you're out. You're enough or you're not good enough. And it ends up creating in us these powerful feelings of fear. Fear of failing. Fear of getting it wrong. Fear of getting in trouble. And that is a lost cause. Rule keeping is simply a lost cause I'm just trying to pass the test. I hope we learn a whole lot more than that in school and my my aim is not to shoot down schooling or teachers' um, hats off to all the teachers out there who did an incredible work during this last term. Um, It's not a shot at the schooling system. It's actually uh, to highlight the fact that deep in our hearts we have this human bias that tends to look at these things through a negative lens. 
the rules, the law, the rights and wrongs uh, cross the story of our life is reinforced powerfully in a negative way. And then we reach adulthood and we get a driver's licence. And as we're driving, we encounter these signs on the road. And you learn that if you follow the speed limit, it goes well with you. But speed, and there's a big stick waiting for you, it's called a fine. And that fine can really hurt depending on how much you're speeding, I can tell you. I remember one morning uh, driving to the shops. Um, we didn't have milk in the fridge. Unbelievably, the kids had not, not stocked the fridge for us uh, with milk. Um, and so I had to do the morning dash to the shop just two blocks away uh, to get some milk. Um, it's two blocks, no seatbelt. It's just there and back. And unbelievably, uh, the other side of the road is the law. And he's driving the other way. Blue and red goes on and I pull over. Um, and the law had me. Thankfully that day, I, it wasn't an expensive trip to get milk. He let me off with a warning. But there's something of the law, of the speed sign that reinforces again in our hearts. The law is negative. We're just waiting to get caught or we're trying to do what we can to avoid being caught. And that uh, those feelings um, are, are there even when the blue and red drive down on the other side of the road and we're not doing anything wrong, but the heart starts pounding a little bit quicker the breath, the inhalation, and then our eyes go to the speed, the dash to find out what speed we're doing and, and we can then relax. The thing is we don't always, and perhaps mostly, we, we don't do the speed limit because we're thinking about safety. We're doing it because it's a rule, a law that I have to keep so I don't end up with a big stick. It's fear-based. We learn to play the game we operate out of an obligation to the law. We behave in order to avoid the big stick. And the problem with that is it doesn't tend to change a human heart. It just changes behaviour. And again, this message is reinforced in human relationships. If I do the right thing, I'm accepted. I'm welcomed. I'm in. If I do the wrong thing, I'm now in the bad books. I'm out, I'm ostracised, I'm given the silent treatment, I'm made to earn my place back into the circle. Life spent trying to be in the good books, earn your way back from the bad books, is a tiring place based on rules and law. And for many, we understand this as human experience. The message of right and wrong the law seems to frame our human existence in the negative. And then, subtly it begins to frame our relationship with God because he gives us the commandments. He gives us law. He took ten commandments and it was nice of him to reduce that to two, love God and love people. But the question is, well, is he the same? Is he the God who makes rules for us to keep in a test that we're bound to fail? 
waiting there to catch us out. Is that God? Is he just simply waiting there to pronounce us as sinner? What do I have to do to keep him happy? What do I have to do to then make him happy? That's a tiring place to live life from if that's our experience or our understanding of God. Just a moment, please. I'm just getting a message in. It's in Morse code. It'll take me a while to translate this, but ladies and gentlemen, I'm actually just getting a message. One moment, please. Just, it's coming in. Here it is. What if, what, what if God's law isn't simply about right and wrong, about doing commands? What if our human experience of law, of rules, of right and wrong is not the same way as God views it? What if there's actually a mismatch in our understanding? And the news just in is this. There's actually one human who actually challenges that view of law being a negative. And he actually recorded it in Psalm 119. I'd love to read it to you. Psalm 119, starting in verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Turn away my reproach, which I dread for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. And each of those words, statutes, law, commandments, judgments and precepts is the same word. It's the same thing. It's the law. And this person, this one human is actually saying, teach me your laws. I'll keep them with my whole heart. Your judgments, they're good. Your law is good. I delight in, I long for the law. And one wonders, one has to ask the question, what was the author thinking? What was he smoking at the time? Because why would someone in Scripture love the law if the law is simply a list of right and wrong, of rules? What if the law isn't a system of right and wrong? What if God, what if God in his incredible kindness is actually setting us up for the win? The Jewish word for commandments is derived from a Jewish word that actually means signposts. What if the law is a signpost for life? And Solomon in Proverbs chapter 3 records his wisdom, passing it on to others. And he actually says this, My son, don't forget the law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Do not be wise in your eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. What if the law is actually the signposts for the path of life that is health to your bones, strength to your bodies, length of days, long life? And what if it's actually about peace? What if it's actually one of the most generous gifts to humanity? 
all this would make sense because if there's a God who created all of this and he created the order out of it and we align ourselves with those, that order, then it would be life to our body. Life followed in God's ways. Life works. Life outside of these rules, these commands, life doesn't work. Living with God, living his ways, as Shane Willard would say, is life, light and increase. That's who God is. His ways are life, light and increase. Outside of that would always bring death, darkness and decrease. Life, light and increase are found in understanding, following and living the signposts of God for life. He is kinder than we think and perhaps his commands are kinder than we think. It's not a right and wrong. It's not a pass fail. It's not a you're in and you're out. And I'd love to take just a quick look at some of these signposts. We're probably familiar with the Ten Commandments. I'd like to look at four of them today. These things add life, length of days, peace to our lives. The first one, have no other gods. One of the Ten Commandments, have no other gods beside me. And, and at first glance, it's, it seems quite arrogant, actually. It's quite demanding. Uh, have nobody else than me. It's me or nobody else. But that's an old image of God. It's actually life and health and peace because it's about exclusivity. A relationship with just one because God understands this. The human heart doesn't deal well with divided loyalties. He's actually setting us up for the win. If you have one, just me, it will go well with you, with your soul. It also talks about, speaks to this thing of what we worship. Just worship me. Just worship the one true God. Because as we start to worship and honour, put value on something other than God, whether it's fame, whether it's fortune, whether it's success, it's wealth, it's money, whatever threatens those things that I begin to honour, say it's my wealth, anything that would threaten that I have to act against. And that is not actually bringing life, light and increase into my life. God is actually setting us up for the win by saying those things, uh, don't worship those things, just worship the one true God. And it also is helping us to understand that actually as we turn our face, as we turn our focus, as we do so often in worship and praise and adoration to God, it actually does build our life. It actually brings something into our very being, into our bones, into our flesh. Uh, And there's moments there that we encounter peace. We encounter life. We encounter actually life into our physical bodies. God understands that. Number one, have no other gods. Don't worship anybody else other than me is actually God setting us up for the win. The second one is thou shalt not murder. Well, that's not a hard one to understand that there's no life, light and increase in that one. The pain and suffering of those around uh, having lost a life uh, is, is, is death, darkness and decrease. For the one who's actually done the act There's no life, light and increase in that. But more than that, when Cain killed Abel 
When that's recorded in scripture, that a life was taken, the word life is actually lives. It's actually expressed in the plural because to Jewish belief, uh, you're not taking one life, you're taking the lives of the future generation. And so murder is actually limiting the flow of life, light and increase into generations to come. Don't commit adultery. Uh, This isn't God being a cosmic killjoy for sex. He invented it. He actually thinks it's great. Adultery is not about the right and wrong of this. It's that 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 act can't bring life, light and increase. It's damaging. It's destructive to human relationships. God's setting up for the win by actually saying, don't go that way. The signpost of that way will not bring you life. It seems to for a moment but it actually brings uh, death, darkness and decrease. And worse than, uh, perhaps, perhaps worse than being caught is actually not being caught because then the concealment, the, the cover-up, the lying, the deceiving, deceitfulness that has to go into the work of covering up doesn't bring uh, life, light and increase. It's God's signpost to say that way doesn't work. I want, I want you to have the wind go this way. And lastly, don't covet. Why? Why would God want us to not covet? Because a life of contentment is a life of freedom. If I'm content with what I have, I am free. There isn't this drive, this unfulfillment of I need more, I need to get more stuff so that I can be fulfilled. I'm content. I think even greater still is a contentment in ourself. I am content with who I am. And if we live in that place of freedom, I don't, I'm not threatened by somebody else's ability. I'm not jealous or envy of somebody else's gifts. I'm living out of a place of contentment. It's a signpost for life. And so this, this, this sign, this speed limit, we view as one of two ways. It becomes a rule that I must follow to avoid punishment, to avoid being caught out. Or is it a signpost for life? Because you have probably driven past the speed camera on the side of the road like I have and looked at that sign that says traffic, uh, traffic camera for safety. And gone, it's not really about that. It's about them being on the side of the road to catch me out. But what if actually this sign is actually about safety, safety and life for us all? What if that's what this sign is all about? And what if that is actually what God's commandments are all about? Safety, life, freedom for us all. I love the law. I delight in the law. I don't fear the law and I don't fear the God who created the law. He is not the one sitting, ready, the big stick waiting in judgment for us. He's actually come to set us up for the win. And so God, as he did in the book of Deuteronomy, actually says to you today, to us today, today I set before you a choice life and death, of blessing and cursing. And my picture 
of that once upon a time was a negative. It was a demanding God with an ultimatum. But my image of God has changed because I actually see him seated. I see him leaning in as he actually finishes off that. Today I set before you a choice, life and death of blessing and cursing. And he leans in and like a good father would do, he would say, choose life, choose life. Come on, my son. Come on, my daughter. Come on, my child. Choose life like a father would do. As my kids on the sporting field are playing sport, I have that same image. I'm like, come on, you can do this. Do the right thing. Choose the right path. Go the right way. Go the path of life. Choose life. And so I, I end where I started because if it's a set of rules of right and wrong, that's not a compelling story. But if the image of God and his ways changes, it's a compelling story. It's a compelling story of a God who's actually setting us up for the win, who is not actually waiting there with a big stick for us. He's not setting us up for the fail. And when we do fail, as we all know that we do, he is waiting there to go, choose life. Today, choose life. And that's the amazing grace and mercy of God that scripture tells us his mercy is new every day, every day. The story of the past and the failings of our past that we so vividly remember, he actually says, come on today, choose life. And I give you the mercy for a brand new day. And so maybe there's some of you who've listened to my words today and, and you're sitting there and you, you know, you know that the signposts that you've been following, um, they haven't worked. It's brought death, darkness and decrease into your life. Maybe you've never started following the signpost of Jesus Christ and whichever of those that you are, uh, there's an invitation for today. An invitation from God to say, choose. Choose to walk with me in exclusive relationship with me. It's the path of life and freedom, of healthier bones, of life, of peace. He offers it to you today. And if there's uh, uh, the signpost that you've been following, it's a matter of just simply going that way doesn't add to my life. I choose a new way. And if that's you today, It starts with just a simple, simple decision. It's a simple decision to choose a new way, to walk in the path of life because it's good. And so I'd like to pray with you. If that's you, let's start that journey. Let's start that choice today by praying this simple prayer. And you just need to pray it in your heart together with me to start this journey. Let's just pray. Dear Jesus, I open my heart to you. Come into my life and help me follow you. Amen. It's the simple choice to walk with Jesus, to follow Jesus. And if you prayed that prayer, Pastor Chris and Pastor Maddie will just give you uh, some some next steps of, of where to go from here. So New Hope Church family, the Lord bless you and keep you. And make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.